Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Sherry. And we are back to part two of the Russian 1991 live action adaptation of Fellowship of the Ring or um, Guardians of the Ring or Kranatelli, which are alternate names for it. As we've said before on our previous episode, it can be found on YouTube. You look up Russian or Soviet Lord of the Rings 1991, and um, it can be found either fully in Russian or as a part one and two with English subtitles. But to actually get to the English subtitles, you have to go into the settings on the video and select to have the subtitles on. Go to the closed captions and click on it. So we are at Part two, and... It's a little over an hour. Part, much like the beginning of the first part, it's, um, it says, The Keepers, a fantasy based on a novel by J.R.R. Tolkien. And it starts off, uh, where, where it left off in the last one, they had been captured by the Barrow White, which, uh, if you're not familiar with that chapter from the books which is left out of every other film adaptation of it it's a sort of haunted tomb with a a skeleton that's controlled by I'm not sure whether it's the ghost of the person it used to be or whether it's some sort of demon from the void but it's got a lot of treasure piled up and it waylays travelers that get to the tomb after dark you want to get past the Barrow Downs in the daylight is the idea, if you go there at all. And you want to pass on the side of the tomb that's away from the opening if you have to pass it in the dark. But they got all that wrong. So they've been captured. And how they portray the Barrow White is like there's this glowing skull with this floating ghost dramatic makeup white frilly outfit person just kind of drifting above it. And yeah, they go for the whole graveyard thematics with crosses everywhere, which is kind of... It doesn't fit Tolkien's world because it's not one that has Christianity in it. But but it definitely fits the I, Russian And yeah, you can landscape. tell it's a graveyard. And Frodo dropped something out of his hat, and I'm not sure what that was. And he he thinks that he's lost, and he's calling for Mary, Sam, and Pin. Because yeah, he calls he calls Pippin Pin often in this. Yes. And next, um, you. You see the other hobbits are lying down with candles around them, which is... See, they're, they were, like, on their chest. They're supposed to be, like, yes, they look or something. Yeah, they look like they're... they're holding burning candles. And that's pretty close to what was happening in the book. They didn't have candles. They had uh, swords, like the, as if they were being ceremonially buried. Mm-hmm. And in the book, the implication is that the white is going to put a spell on them and most likely sacrifice them in some way. 
Um, possibly, like, with the, one of the swords that's out across them. Mm-hmm. In this, um, the Barrow White is, as I am Barrow White, terrible and cold, see my eyes beams, they will bind your heart with cold. And then, um, it goes on about how much treasure is there and how they should, can stay there underground and they'll be very rich, but they will also be dead. They will be very rich, but also dead. Um, that angle is not really in the book. The treasure is there, but the white seems much more intent on actually sacrificing them. And in the land becoming desolate and Sauron uh, ruling it. Now, I'm not ex- I'm not sure exactly what the White's connection with Sauron is, other than uh, they're both on the side of evil. Um, I don't know if they would know about the ring, for instance. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. To be honest, I was kind of a little confused with watching this, because, well, I... You have to realize I'm watching on a cell phone with the full screen of this video being about two inches square. And the design is very uh, weird. It's not totally obvious what it's supposed to be just from looking. And it's not in any other film adaptation. And, oh yes, it is in the book, but you're actually on a reread of the book for the first time in years, and you haven't gotten up to that chapter yet. Yeah. And I could go on about the lore related to that and how it is in some ways different, say, how George R. R. Martin portrays whites, although Tolkien came first. So Martin stole the idea. Well, it's more like Martin used an idea that has become part of nerd pop culture to a degree already in Dungeons and Dragons and um, some other things they're in Skyrim actually no Skyrim was after Martin so I think Tolkien uh, made the idea more like visible again there were certain similar undead creatures in Norse folklore already and I'd say they invented it You know, any Northern European folklore that had an undead skeleton creature in it. Mm-hmm. And Frodo is very tempted to put on the ring and leave his friends and run for it. Now, I'm not convinced the ring would have actually hid him from something like that, because, like, wraiths and whatnot can see him, and I would consider the Barrow White to be something in that category more. Yeah. But yeah, he's got the very strong temptation to put on the ring and run for it, and his friends will be dead, but he'll have gotten out. And he'll grieve for them. But he realizes that's not something he can just do. Hobbits don't leave their friends. And so he's calling for them and um, realizing that they're all cold. And, you know, why do they look like they're dead already? And why are they wearing jewels? 
and he's calling for them. And then he remembers that Tom Bombadil told him to call for him if there was ever in danger. So he calls Fly Song to Bombadil. Bombadil, help us. Bombadil, do you hear us? Bombadil. And Tom arrives. And he's digging into the tomb and saves them, says they've gotten themselves in real trouble. They should be more careful and they should take their ponies and go off. But they will get a dagger each from the treasure from the white. Long and keen and demasked with serpent forms, blades that will protect you from the Dark Lord. Now, this is a detail from the book. Now, are the the, the daggers a detail from the book as yeah, well? Yes, the okay. daggers. Okay. Um, in the Peter Jackson film, Aragorn just hang, hands out the daggers. But yeah. in the book, they got the daggers from the... White's uh, treasure, and they were made by the men from Numenor and did have some form of magic against um, the creatures of Sauron, Mm -hmm. and it later becomes plot important. In the book, there's also the detail that the treasures are just, like, left out in the sun other than the few bits that are taken, and that's supposed to... It's implied that that somewhat, like, cleanses the tomb of its evil, like, not having the treasure hoarded in it. Although it's kind of implied that the sunlight destroyed the the white. But this is a book thing that I'll get more into when we actually get to that chapter. Uh, Next, the hobbits are seen riding on the road, and you can see the Nazgul riding in the distance. And it says, Our friends grow fearless by the minute. Brave hobbits consider their adventure to be mostly over. But that wasn't so. Uh, Soon they will find Barlamin Butterbur, but first they need to pass the Greenway Crossing. Now, the Greenway, it's in the book. It's a kind of grass-overgrown road path that goes from north to south. Crossing it is, you know, nothing. It's just a go. There's a path. The Greenway is barely gone into. That's another thing. I recommend the game Lord of the Rings Online where you can uh, explore the north part of the Greenway as much as you want. I mean, obviously, this is fan-made-up stuff. It's not... It's based on what may have been there in the book versus it actually definitely like being locations. Right. But yes, the Greenway leads north to where Aragorn's people lived and still live on the North Downs. But it's not especially important to this story. So they reach the inn, and the innkeeper, um, Barlamin Butterbur. Great name. Yeah, great name. And they're gonna have a rest there, and supper... 
Frodo calls himself Underhills again. So, as to not be recognized as this, um, you know, rather important spot where for travelers to mingle and It's not a great place to be if you're not trying to be noticed. Yeah, I imagine you just don't even stop at an inn if you want to be more, you know, unseen. And yeah, they got, oh, but I don't remember any underhills in the Shire. Maybe you have another name. You can see what I mean? Well, yeah, that, that per- they were definitely very well aware of who was in the Shire. And in the book, there were underhills that lived in the area. And they're like, oh, you're related to us, are you? Like, that made him look even more suspicious. Mm. Um, they're actually advised to leave the room because the conversation is taking a dangerous turn. And they claim that Frodo has a fever and is pale. And Frodo's like, no, I'm not sick. I don't have a fever. I'm not pale and I don't have anything to hide. I haven't stabbed or killed or robbed anybody. So this is getting worse. Frodo's making a scene. But the interesting thing is uh, Elijah Wood, who played Frodo in a different version, definitely is pale. Yeah. He, he's a pale, pale person. And Frodo and a woman who was at the inn start singing a song about uh, the merry old inn beneath an old grey hill and it's similar to the version in the book. It's it's a version of the cat and the fiddle rhyme. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of tra-la-la, tra-la-la, tra-la-la in it, and they're dancing, and everybody's staring at them now. Good job, Frodo. Yeah, not exactly like staying under the radar. Okay, I realized Tolkien probably just wanted to put his version of the song in, and that looked like the place to put it, but right. it was not a smart move on Frodo's part. And Frodo then puts on the ring and disappears, also causing shock to people. And it was only momentary. So I don't really get why he did it. And Aragorn, who was hanging around in the inn watching, says, Enough fiddling around with your toy, young master. You're just asking for trouble. And Frodo asks, How does he know this? He says he's been waiting for him. He's waiting for Frodo Baggins. And I'm going to just... A little tangent here to say there's a lot of really beautifully painted jugs on the tables in the inn. You know, really beautiful artistic work there. He says he's under hills and Aragorn's like, as you wish. Aragorn knows who he is, but Frodo doesn't know this guy. Though, Aragorn does say, you know, that, you know, 
He's a friend of Gandalf. Gandalf had sent him. And he should be more careful. And they go off to the Hobbit bedroom, which, you know, it's a Hobbit bedroom. It's smaller space. It's got round uh, doors on it. Frodo says he's tired. He misses talking to people. He misses parties. And Aragorn says that he's so t- that you know Frodo, you're so tired. You've lost your brain. Now how can one lose the brain along with the head? One can. That's sure. One can. Actually, no, I messed up a bit here. He was talking with one of the other hobbits about this while Aragorn is eavesdropping. And that's when Aragorn says about, you know, he's friends with Gandalf, and Gandalf already described him, says he's going to be using the name Underhill. And they're in danger. And three days ago, the Black Riders were here. And he's got to be cautious, he's got to be safe, and here is a letter from Gandalf, and he should read it and then go to sleep. And that he will help them, but they're like, who are you and why do we need your help? Uh, this is another uh, change from the books where the Black Riders arrived after them, mm-hmm. and they had to... You know, hide out while the Black Rider searched their room. And at that point, uh, the Black Riders also scare off all the horses from the stables and somebody who isn't one of the Black Riders but is on the evil side also steals a horse. Mm. Which is why they have to go find Bill the Pony and uh, everything that happens after that. Right. You don't meet so many people who offer you a hand on a hard journey, and you are you going to read the letter or not? And um, they're reading the they're reading the letter, and that weird kind of danger music starts again. Dear Frodo, you had better leave Bag End soon and get out of the Shire. See, black horsemen are after you. You're in danger. You can trust the landlord, Butterbur. You may meet a friend on the road. He's called Strider. He knows our business and will help you. Make haste, I'm sorry, and do not use the ring. Not for any reason, whatever. Travel by day and hide by night. Too late on not using the ring. By the way, Strider's true name is Aragorn. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadow shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. Good luck, Gandalf. So, as you can see, Frodo has already messed up more than one of the things on there. Uh, 
attracted attention to himself, had his Barrel White encounter. Which, to be fair, traveling by night was not on purpose there, but it still happened. And since this came from Gandalf, Frodo says, Esteemed Strider, I'm going to test you. What's your true name? And he's like grabbing at him aggressively. Mm. And he gives the name. He's, he's Aragorn. He is the Strider and the friend of Gandalf. And they, they clasp hands. If by life or death I can save you, I will. You are tired, but we need to go. And he's told that the Black Riders are coming and we're going they're going to outrun them. And how are they gonna do that? But if not, it's dreadful even to think about. Dreadful, but leave they must. And they'll cheat them if a little first. Hurry, let's go. And I, by that, I presume they pulled a trick where they like, put a pillow under Frodo's bed and bed sheets and make it look like someone's in the bed. And right. They don't actually show this, but I think that's what they meant. And they also intend to go by a way that's not the road. Yeah. Because, no, they're not going to, on their ponies, realistically outrun horses. They thank Barlam and Butterbur. Um, see the Nazgul galloping scene again. The road to Rivendell was a long one and a hard one, and many times the travelers saw marks left by Gandalf that meant he had been there. Which is another thing that got a lot more uh, attention in the book about exactly what this long and hard road was like and the marks from Gandalf on stones and how long ago they thought Gandalf had been there. But it skips talking about the marshes or the history of Weathertop or any of that stuff from the book. Yeah. And then it happens, the thing that was dreaded. Grim shadows approached them from every side that were the shadows of black riders. And it again shows the Nazgul riding through the snow. I think they're just using that clip again and again. Yeah. And Frodo is frightened. He wants to put on the ring and become invisible. He says, no, no, go back. Go back to the land of Mordor. I found Frodo's acting a bit not impressive there. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be like, terrified and desperate. He's just like saying it. Go back. Go back to the land of Mordor. Like he's just saying the lines. Right. Well, not every actor is a good actor. <laughs> and, and then... The Nazgul are saying, come here, come here, and the Nazgul has a torch. Now, the thing about Nazgul is they're afraid of fire, so they wouldn't have a torch. 
part of the reason they had a fire was they were hoping it would deter the Nazgul. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, fire isn't enough to keep them away, but they don't like it. And here they are with torches. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm nerd quibbling over a tiny thing. You are ours. To Mordor, we will take you. Go away. Go away. The ring, the ring. Give us the ring. And Frodo says, I swear you shall have neither the ring nor me. And Frodo draws his sword, says, you will never get me. And he tries to cut at a Nazgul. And the Nazgul stabs him totally bloodlessly. It... None of the quote-unquote violent stuff in this film looks real. Mm-hmm. And then there's this song. I I don't know what what it's supposed to be. It's not in the book at all. But it goes. You are the wind, and it shows Frodo kind of floating. I am a teardrop above you. He is bright. More scene of the Nazgul riding, but he is not above you. Who will show you the way? Frodo is shown lying down with his eyes closed. Who will dare to say, where is Faith now? Nazgul riding again. And a scene of an icy waterfall. Pale shadows on a pale wall. You're kneeling. Sky burns and falls. Gold all around. Scene of Frodo holding the ring. Who've lost it all? The Nazgul are she seen uh, going into a castle. Where is Faith now? Where is Faith now? So, uh, I... I don't know what is the reason for this song, except... I guess it's supposed to be about the Nazgul thematically... That I'm not really sure what this is. I I guess this is supposed to encompass the whole chase that in the book was Frodo heading for Rivendell as fast as he could over rough terrain while wounded and slowly becoming a wraith himself. But none of that is explained here. The Ford scene with Glorfindel also not here. It it just cuts to when Frodo is waking up in Rivendell. And he's like, oh, what time is it? What's wrong with me? Is it winter again or summer? And that's when he finally meets up with Gandalf, who says he's at Lord of Rivendell's house. House of Elrond. Gandalf, am I dreaming? I am here, my friend, here. Forgive me for leaving you alone. But you will soon hear all about my reasons. Are you in pain? He says, no, but my arm. And he says, you've been wounded by the Black Rider's poisoned blade. He's glad it's all over. 
And yeah, the whole thing about if your heart is pierced by that blade, you become a wraith yourself is never fully explained. Yeah. Now, you found out some more about the Gandalf actor, so... Yeah, I found out... Well... He he was born in the Ukraine, and he passed away uh, eight years ago in St. Petersburg. Um, and his name is Victor Kostetsky. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Right. Um, yes, I was trying to find out about the cast and all because I'm looking at the thing in you know, Russian, and I can't read Russian, and I looked in the comments below the YouTube video, and somebody had commented, you know, to R.I.P. Uh, Gandalf, and listed his name, and then I, of course, wikipedia him, and from there I was able to Wikipedia the Russian Hobbit, which gave us a lot more information, so... And we'll go on to more about the cast you know, when the yeah. the podcast is over. But Gandalf was a lifelong actor and teacher. So Frodo is woken up in Rivendell and... No, it's not over. It's just the beginning. Forgive me, my friend, but you're only half through. And he also sees Sam again and um, notices that Frodo's hand is still cold and you can see through it. Which, yeah, that's where he was starting to become a wraith. That, uh... The see-through thing is not permanent. But that sort of injury is still never going to fully 100% get better, as seen in the book. Um, Tells Frodo this is a a surprise waiting. Oh, I love surprises. Let's go to the gallery. And... There they are, the House of Elrond. Mary is there. And Pippin. I guess Pippin too, but he's not specifically mentioned. Don't be afraid, Frodo. Of course, nobody wants to face hardships, but there's no moving on without them. We'll take more provisions this time. Won't feel any need, because I was churned into a horse by powers of Frodo, Lord of the Ring. Which, I guess, Pippin was being too flippant with it, and he gets a bit of a telling off. The Lord of the Ring is the evil Black Sauron, and we are its keepers. So I guess Pippin uh, shouldn't have joked about being the Lord of the Ring. And he's decided he doesn't want to go on anywhere. He wants to go back to 
bag in. He's afraid and he's been injured. His friends tell him not to be afraid. They're going to go on with him. And Frodo says, why was he chosen for this task? He doesn't want to go anywhere. But they are now due to the fire hall, which... Okay, it was called the Hall of Fire, but that seems still a pretty direct translation. There's a council to be held. And there's still... One more surprise for Frodo. And when they get to the Hall of Fire, there's Bilbo drinking a wine. So, Frodo has met up with Bilbo again. And Bilbo said, I had no fear of Gollum. I'm not afraid of him, for he had been mere mortal and turned into a thing of swaps. And he was all but ruined by power of the ring. Oh, hey, oh, hey, I'm not. And then Frodo just enters and they have a reunion. Frodo, Bilbo, my dear nephew. And he tells Bilbo about being wounded and about the black horsemen surrounding him. And that getting stabbed with a sword was the last thing he remembers. And next thing, he woke up in this beautiful valley. And Bilbo's like, but of course he didn't give them the ring. And he says, no, he didn't give it to them. And Bilbo had thought he'd never see him again. There's no way Bilbo Baggins will perish and duty has brought him to brought them to meet. And next elves and Gandalf are seen entering the Hall of Fire to music that sounds like a bell choir. I don't see any bell choir playing, but I can hear it. Yeah. Elrond says it's the best place to hold a council, the fire hall. Fire magic is eternal. It brings warmth and light. Um, this is also a bit of artistic license. Fire, magic, eternal, whatever is not a thing. Like, no, it's a big hall with a big fireplace and it's comfortable. There's right. no uh, extra magic to it. We're all gathered here to stop the darkness settling on Middle-earth. And here's Gandalf, here's Aragorn the Strider, here is Knight Baromir, a man from the south, and you, Bilbo Baggins, and you, my dear hobbits, and hard-working dwarves, and Legolas the Elf. Um, I'm just going to mention here, Legolas the Elf is um, actually played by a woman. Let's see, I'm looking at the cast names... Olga Serabryakova. And we should decide who will go further, follow into the Dark Lord's domain, into Mordor, to destroy the Master Ring, and show it to us, Frodo. Show it, show it. Come on, show it. I miss it so much, Frodo. 
caution, Bilbo. The ring corrupts your soul, but it, it calls to me. Give it to me. Give it back. And there's a scene of Bilbo's face distorting. And then, it's fine. Pain's already fading. So, Bilbo is still uh, addicted to the ring. And this is this film's version of the infamous uh, Bilbo ah, scene. Yeah. And now you understand why have I left the ring to Frodo. I became addicted to it. It began to warp me. And Baromir says he's the messenger from the men of the south and the great ring was thought to have perished from the world but it came back a shiny ring Um, I'm actually not sure with the notes I'm taking, which lines are Bilbo and which are Boromir, and I don't want to mess this up. Right. One of them is saying, I'm driven to it, I am driven. Again and again. There's no other way than to fight the enemy to the bitter end, even without hope of victory. This has to be Boromir. And the ring, you have gathered here to decide what to do with it. If the ring is to be destroyed, there's no need to walk into Mordor. If the enemy is to be destroyed, it is foolish to turn down such help. A weapon, as the ring has fallen into our hands, it should be destroyed. Where it has been made, in Mordor, on the Mountain of Fire. And friends, we talk a lot. We're seeking the truth. That can be achieved much faster. So Baromir wants the ring to fight the... To fight against the forces of Mordor. While others are saying the ring should be destroyed in the volcano. Which is pretty true to the book. And Gandalf... Says as long as the ring stays here, we'll keep arguing... They say to tell him, Gandalf, where has he been all this time that they were traveling from the Shire to Rivendell. And Gandalf says, nearly lost his head there. And they're like, Gandalf, was it because of the ring? Yes, it was. He said that he went to the Tower of Orthanc to the dwelling of Saruman the Wizard. And there's a flashback to Gandalf and Saruman. And Saruman is played by a young man with no beard, not even a fake one. Which is uh, different from how I imagine Saruman, that's for sure. Right. He greets Gandalf, and Gandalf says he's come for his aid. Oh, have you indeed? You are a wizard yourself. Why do you need my aid? Matters require the union of all our strength against Sauron the Dark Lord, who threatens the Shire. Now, they're making the threat to the Shire a bigger thing here. It's more like, no, a threat to the whole world. The Shire is mostly not noticed by people yet, which is a good thing. Yeah. Are you speaking about the Ring of Power 
yes indeed it should be destroyed as fast as possible for it brings horror and Saruman says do not waste your speeches we wizards know how cheap empty words are why do you see my words as empty not all of them the thought about the union is right you're right but we need this union to make the ruling ring our own A new power is rising, and uh, some orcs are shown. And the orcs, they're wearing horned helmets, and they got silver face paint. They're not that scary looking. They just look like uh, armored up guys with face paint on. Yeah. (laughs) The time of the elves is over against it. The old allies will not avail us. We shall join with that power. Its victory is at hand. And there will be rich reward for those that aided it. The wise, such as you and I, may come at last to direct its courses. At first, deploying may be evil done by the way, but approving the high and ultimate purpose, knowledge, rule, order. We will be very rich. And uh, Gandalf realizes what Saruman is really up to. And he says he's heard speeches of this kind before, but only in the mouths of enemies serving the Dark Lord. And he's leaving now. And Saruman's like, no, you know where the ring is. Tell me, tell me. And Gandalf says, now that I've learned you your mind, I'm not going to say a thing. To which Saruman says, then you will stay here until you say. And then Gandalf is locked in the tower. Well, how did you escape? And next you see Gandalf riding an eagle that's very cheap special effects. With the help from Gwaihir the Windlord, swiftest of the great eagles. He saved me, he saved me, but that's what delayed me. It is not my fault that I have been late to help you, Frodo. Saruman turned out to be a traitor, and Barmir says, let the ruling wing become our weapon, if it is such power as you say. Gandalf says, we cannot use the ruling wing, it serves only the dark purpose, and we should destroy it, and only Frodo can do it. He says, no, I'm a hobbit, I'm a peaceful ordinary one, and confronting evil only makes me feel weak, I'm afraid of pain, he clutches his shoulder as he says this. And treason, Gandalf. But, and Gandalf says, Nevertheless, you will do it, because the weak will succeed where the mighty fails. You see, the mighty ones are not used to hiding from perils, and that's why they fall in battle. And the weak ones have changed the world many times. For, and Bilbo says, I'm ready to go. And then Bilbo's ready to go to destroy the ring. And he said, no, it's not going to be you, Bilbo. You'll meet the brave travelers when they come back. I also don't trust Bilbo with the ring again. Because Bilbo's already got a problem with it. Yeah. And he's also, you know, pretty elderly by now. It's a hard journey. He probably could do it because of having the ring. But he but probably couldn't let it go. Let it go, that's right. 
Even in evil Sauron's domain, you'll find friends. And so, I'm going with you, Strider also, Gimli the dwarf, son of Gloin, Legolas the elf, and Baramir from the men of the south. And there will be nine of them, just like there are nine black riders. And the fellowship all clasp hands. Oh, speaking of not trusting... Baramir... Baramir doesn't seem like someone who should be trusted with the ring either. I mean, yes, I've read the book. I like Baramir, I do. But here he's pretty open about that he wants the ring and not to destroy it. He's very open about it. And they're still bringing him. Oh. Obviously, there's a lot more to Baramir, and you know, he has his heroism, and I'll talk about that when we're doing the actual book. But I'm just here he is very, very open that he wants the ring, and they still send him. And Frodo still says, I suggest we go back. We go back only in victory, or more likely in defeat, in disgrace. And he makes something of a hand gesture with his two fingers up, um, pushing down fingers one by one, and I don't know what that is. Oh, I think he was, oh, I think he was, like, listing things. Oh, okay. That's right. And every time he said something, he would put down another finger. Okay, so they suggest going forward, because if they return, the enemy will still attack. Um, Rivendell and darkness will fall on Middle-earth. So they, they're going to go forward. Hold... Forward, hey, hold your heads up, not too high though, or you'll stumble and break it, Master Frodo. And then, almost as soon as they've left, they realize that they are being followed by wargs, and the caves of Caradris lie ahead, they won't find us here. So, they uh, change the timing so the warg attack happens almost as soon as they've left. Mm hmm. And the wargs are people in head masks with horns like a ram and a sort of elongated lower jaw that curves down and a mouthful of teeth. It doesn't look like a wolf. It looks more like one of those extinct varieties of shark, but with horns. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Uh... I don't actually think most of the work designs in almost any of the adaptations look very good to me. Yeah. Like, to me, a warg looks like a giant wolf. And most of them are like, oh, this is a person with a shark-looking mask with horns. Or the Peter Jackson, that's a big hyena. Yeah, when I when I saw those masks, I think, what, did they have that left over from something? <laughs> They were weird looking. I suppose, like, with the budget, I guess they couldn't have really had a good looking work for this. I mean, yeah, they could have, like, shown some dogs running, but that would have looked pretty corny, yes. too. This this was not ever in a theater. This 
was filmed for a one-time showing on television in Russia. So... So this does not have a theater budget. That's, didn't have a theater budget. And I'm, I'm amazed they had as much a budget as they did. They show some, like, shaky... Shaky jumping from the wargs and the fellowship and howling and a torch being held at a warg's face and once again the Nazgul riding. They get into the caves of Caradras, skipping the entire scene of going up into the mountain and getting caught in a blizzard. They won't find us in there. Go for the Shire, and then Pippin uh, falls into a hole. And they say, well, get you out, pal, don't worry, you're like a child. Never looking under your feet, always staring at clouds. Pippin. And you can see Pippin sliding on a rope into the depths. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether... That means he's actually supposed to be on a rope and not falling, or whether that was another cheap special effect. Yeah. But I think he was supposed to be holding on to a rope. And Legolas covers her face. And Pippin is seen hauling himself back up. They'll find a shorter way, and then Baromir lights a match. Pin, come on, come on, climb. We've come into the land of Moria. Moria, here lived hard-working little dwarves. Let us eat something. And they don't have chairs in Moria, so they're just going to eat on the stairs, and they're just handing around the food. And so they're like, so what happened to the dwarves? that used to live here. Oh, they were attacked by foul orcs and the land was plundered. Orcs, how awful. Orcs, do you hear Gandalf? Stay quiet. And you hear some weird noises in the background. Though the orcs are still around. But they don't know this yet. You've hardly tried up after that swamp and you're scaring everybody again. And then the orcs arrive. Orcs were trapped. And then there's a kind of... Battle sequence with a lot of... Arg, arg, arg. Pray for the Shire. Retreat. Advance. Back. And it's very, like, shaky, jumping. So you don't really see battle, I seem to recall. Well... They're swinging their swords around and not actually hitting. Right. Oh, because the, once again, sheep special effects. It's their adaptation of a battle. Yes. Blood free. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't really call any of this film, like, above... Except for maybe the scene where Smeagol strangles Diggle, none of it's truly violent. It's pretty, you know, G rated and. Mm-hmm. 
one of the hobbits appears to have been injured because he's lying down. Uh, Mary, are you alive? Mary, as far as I know, dead can't talk. Yeah, sorry, I I seem to be losing my place in my notes. I want to get a give a shout out here to Sarah because this part one and part two of this Russian adaptation involved an immense amount of time t and note taking, and Sarah did the majority of it. Then Mary gets back up, puts on his hat, and once they're sure everybody's here and okay, they're going forward quiet, carefully, and then there's the Bridge of Khazad-dum ahead. Which, you know, it looks pretty narrow. It's not as impressive as um, how it's shown in you know, a later film, but it's, once again, the budget. Mm-hmm. And Aragorn is, like, weirdly, awkwardly crossing it. I mean, I get he's trying to be careful, but it's... He's just, like, awkwardly climbing across the bridge in a way that goes beyond just careful. He gets over the bridge, and I see it's solid, you can follow Pippin, and then Aragorn nearly falls off. Well, maybe he wouldn't be nearly falling off if he'd cross it normally. <laughs> so they're all crossing, but they have a count. And then they realize Gandalf is not with them. And maybe he's lost in the caves. But then they realize that he died in battle somewhere back there. Yeah. There's no Balrog Durin's Bane fight. It seems that Gandalf was killed by just orcs. And so, like, we're alone now. It's over. And Aragorn says, no, nothing's over. Ahead lies the Golden Wood. And how will we recognize it? Imagination is a great power. More so when you're hungry. And they look ahead and... I don't think it was Aragorn who said the when you're hungry line. It had to have been one of the hobbits. They see what looks like a fog ahead. And... There's a wood of golden leaves, and I don't mean golden like fall leaves, I mean golden like gold. Mm-hmm. And elves in white robes are dancing around with trumpets, singing. And these elves, they almost, okay, they, they look almost more like Christmas angels, minus the wings. Yeah. And they're singing, welcome to Lothlorien, you are guests to elves. And they say, we are followed by orcs, we may be a threat to you. 
They they sing, don't fear, time has stopped here. You will have rest. Drink deep the fragrance of meadows and trees. Time has stopped here. A plain road through a hedge of swords is fairer than strange paths with perils unknown. Some One of them says. And the elves continue on. We are no foes. Our paths are not perilous to you. And then there's an elf ringing a little bell in Sam's face while he's trying to eat. He falls asleep. They make Aragorn fall asleep with a trumpet. And they give Merry something to drink. And then drape him in a veil and he sleeps. And they give Frodo a flower to smell and he also sleeps. I realize the intent is supposed to be it's a restful, peaceful place to like recoup. But it comes across kind of creepy, especially after their uh, willow tree incident in the past. Right. And it differs from the book, which is more like, we're elves, we're armed, we're going to blindfold you so you don't see our secret elf forest. The tone of this is different. Mm Mm-hmm. And Baramir and Gimli, who are, I guess, the more suspicious ones, and they've fallen asleep. Yes, we need to wake them. Like, don't let them rest. Weary keepers cast themselves down on the grass. But Frodo was lost in wonder. He looked through a window on a vanished world. A light was upon it, for which his language had no name. All that he saw was shapely, but the shape seemed at once clear-cut, as if they had been first conceived and drawn at the uncovering of his eyes, and ancient, as if they had endured forever. He saw no color but those he knew, gold and white and blue and green, but they were fresh and poignant, as if he had at that moment first perceived them. In winter here no heart could mourn for summer or for spring. On the land of Lorien, past and future were melded together." Which is, uh, that's actually a thing from the book. Lorien is kind of frozen in time, Mm -hmm. which is the effect of Galadriel's ring. So that's why it has that timeless and it's ancient and new at the same time quality. But Gandalf is still lost to them and Baromir says no... No, we need to wake them. Wake up, wake up. Friends, it's time to go. And Aragorn says it's all so confusing in this world. Winter, spring. Can't see what you're dreaming of. And he splashes water on his face. But we should not stay dreaming. A dream is beautiful when it can be fulfilled. Destination, the city of the Galat- of the Galadrim. And Baromir says, come on, Frodo. Come here, Frodo. Frodo, time to go. Here is the city of the Galadrim, and it looks wooden and painted. Where's Legolas? Legolas catch up. And there are more elves playing trumpets, but they're wearing different colors. And they're met by Galadriel. You said you you liked her outfit, and... Oh, I just thought she was really beautiful looking in it. In her, her face, hair, everything. And Galadriel beautiful. was supposed to be a... One of the most beautiful of the elves, so that that makes sense. And she says, good keepers, I know that you carry the ominous ring. And you've been chosen to destroy it. Your quest is a hard one filled with danger and cold. 
one of the hobbits says, and hunger. You want to put an end to evil. And they're like, yeah, sure we do, but it is impossible. Why? I am Galadriel the seer, and I tell you, evil inevitably brings more evil. You want to stop it, it's inevitable. The evil is a black star. By its side shines a white star, the good. Only compared to the black star, the white one shines gloriously. The evil is inevitable. And Frodo says, I don't think so. I think if one can avail in time of need, we should do so. You think so? I do. And then the ominous music starts to play again. Lady Galadriel, you are wise and fearless and fair. If you ask for it, I will give you the ring. Me? Yes, it is a matter. It is too great a matter for me, and you will aid us. I do not deny that for many years I had pondered what I might do should the ring come into my hands, and now you offer it to me? And Frodo's like, yes, of course, you will save us. And Galadriel holds the ring and sees a vision of herself crying. Says, no, I passed the test. I'm not taking your ring. I will remain Galadriel as I am, but I will offer you help and warning. Look into the magic bowl, but do not touch the water. No. All this stuff about um, evil being inevitable, I mean, yeah, it kind of... I suppose it's trying to say that evil cannot really be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, even if they get rid of Sauron, that doesn't mean everything that's evil in any way is going to be gone. Right. I mean, hey, look at what, you know, people and elves and, yeah, even a few hobbits are capable of. Mm Mm-hmm. That whole thing about a black star and a white star, that's not in the book at all. It seems like it might be based... on... Oh my goodness, I do not want this to slip my mind at all. Sorry. So this is... Uh, you try to fi- figure but, out the basis of the stars? The- no, I'm, I want the exact name of the star that... Um, Galadriel was collecting the light of. Ah. And I know this. It's just not in my brain right now. Mm-hmm. Arendelle. Okay. And she, in the book, she talks about the light of Arendelle, their most beloved star, and she gives a um, file of collected starlight to Frodo. Mm hmm. So I think this is the basis for this whole uh, weird thing with the stars, but. Yeah. 
It did not go this way. And of course the ominous music and Galadriel desiring the ring and then seeing an, a vision herself and giving it back that is somewhat based on the book. Yeah. Galadriel was tempted by the power that it would give her and um, envisioned herself as a powerful and beautiful queen that everybody loved and feared and she would start setting evil to right but she realized that eventually she would start taking things too far herself if she got the ring and would become a form of evil in her own way mm-hmm. and she didn't take the ring well this just showed a vision of her crying which is confusing if you don't know the book right so Frodo looks into the magic pool of water and he sees an eye just looking out at him not a fiery lizard eye I mean an eye a human eye it's me Sauron the Dark Lord I watch you give me the ring Frodo throw it in the water she's of no use to you So in this, Sauron seems to think that if you drop the ring in the water, it'll just go to him. Which I don't think that's how it works. I think it's more like if he touches the water, maybe Sauron can see him back or something like that. Right. And Galadriel says she had to Frodo, you have two ways. One is back to the Shire... And the other is to Mordor. Choose what road is yours. We have only one road, just one leading forward, just one to Mordor. And then they're picking apples, Baromir and Frodo. And he, Baromir says, I was afraid for you, Frodo. If orcs are near, none of us should be wandering alone in this garden, and you least of all. You're now too precious a prize for the enemy. And Frodo says, thank you, may I stay now for a while? Says Baromir. And Frodo opens an apple by tearing it in two from the top with both hands. That's a tough thing to do. Yeah. So no one eats apples this way except apparently somebody does. It's weird. It makes me think maybe the the actor has that as like a personal trick and is they're like, hey, can you put this in the yeah. So to be clear, he is grabbing an apple with both hands by the top of the apple and tearing it in two. No knife. Impressive. Yes. Offers half of the apple to Baromir, and Baromir tosses it away. Rude. The ring, the ring is so small a thing, a ring of gold, and we suffer much fear and doubt, so let me take a look at it. I've seen it only briefly at the Council of Elrond. It is best that it should be 
Frodo says it is best that it should be hidden, and Baromir says that's what they've taught you to say, Frodo. You said it yourself. You want to get rid of it? Give it to me. The One Ring will give me great power. Mighty warriors from all the Freelands will come under my banner, and using the ring we will crush the enemy. Do I look like a traitor and his hands are going toward Frodo's neck? So the answer is yes, yes you do. (laughs) Right, I need your ring. My word I will give it back. After the victory, fool, obstinate fool, running willfully to death and ruining our cause. Ring is not yours, save by unhappy chance. It might have been mine, it should be mine. Give it to me. And Frodo's Barmir, is that you talking? No, no, I can trust no one with this burden. Farewell. Frodo, come back. Come, where are you going? What about the others? So this, the scene where Baromir falls to the ring, mm-hmm. they moved it to part of the Lorien storyline, even though that happened a while later. Yeah. And this skips Baromir uh, redeeming himself by dying trying to protect the other hobbits from the orcs. Like, as I said, Book Baromir, he was weak to the ring, and that was his flaw, but there was more to him, and he was ultimately a hero, and it's less obvious here. Mm Mm-hmm. And Frodo, he says to Sam, I must go alone. I feel the dark power of the ring working on our fellowship, and they are weary. I must go alone. And Sam says, you're not going alone, not all alone without me. And if something would happen, who's going to save you? Who would make fire and make food for you? I couldn't have borne it. You hear me, Frodo? Frodo's like, so my plan is spoiled, but you know I'm terribly glad, and it's plain that we were meant to go together. Frodo, it is winter again on the outside. I beg you to put on the warm cloak. You know, I actually got used to winter roads and cold, and if we freeze, so what? We'll put on a fire, get warm. That's right, Sam. Let's go, pal. Let's go. And they're riding off on their horses, and there's some untranslated singing and untranslated credits, and it is over. So, what'd you think of it? Well, I thought it was good. Yes, I had some issues with trying to watch it on a tiny screen and... And read tiny subtitles on a tiny screen. Very, very tiny. And I'm still waiting for new glasses to be made. It is probably (laughs) a more enjoyable experience if you understand Russian, which neither of us do. I mean... Yeah, I was trying to focus on one or focus on the other and not necessarily... Doing the best of jobs. I'd probably have to rewatch it a couple more times to fully get it. Um, but kudos for actually including Tom Bombadil and Goldberry and the Barrow White encounter. Mm-hmm. Because none of the other film adaptations put them in. Right. And they should. Controversial opinion, I know, since Tom Bombadil is such a. You either love him or you hate him. Oh, uh, I think he's interesting. I'm, I'm a big fan of Tom Bombadil and Goldberry, but some people are like, oh, he interrupts the flow, or he's just too weird and silly. Uh, 
Yeah, but Tolkien put him in the book for a reason, so. We were... I was at first going to attempt to do these without the translation because I didn't know there was one with subtitles and I even asked in groups a little bit has anybody who speaks Russian actually seen this and I never actually got anybody who speaks Russian answering like what are you telling me a Russian one exists yes but well this Russian one was missing for uh 30 years. I mean, from the time it aired to last year. And so, 30 years, nobody knew where it was, or at least... I'm very glad I found the subtitles one, because I couldn't have done it justice as a podcaster without it. I could have said stuff about the costume designs, or... Yay, they included Bombadil, but I couldn't have said anything about the dialogue without understanding it. Right. Well, uh, hats off to the person who translated it and put it up on YouTube. And since the some credits were available on Wikipedia, I'm going to provide them. It is directed by Natalia Sarabryakova. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing anything wrong. Written by Natalia Sarah Bryakova. Story by J.R.R. Tolkien. Based on the Fellowship of the Ring. Produced by Larissa Lebedeva. Narrated by Andrei Romanov. Cinematography by Anatoly Koronetsky. Production company Leningrad Television. Now about the narrated... I've gotten more than one narrator name, which I'll provide the other when I get to it. I don't know whether whether that's a discrepancy or whether there were two. Um, Aragorn or Strider by Andre Tenetko, Barlam and Butterbur, in parentheses Laver Norkis, by Nikolai Burra, Bilbo Baggins, Georgie Still, Baramir, Evgeny Selig. Selyakov, Elrond, Andrei Talshin, Frodo Baggins, Valery Dyachenko, Galadriel, Elena Solovey, Goldberry, or in parentheses, Zolotinka, Regina Laya Likito. I'm sorry, I know I'm pronouncing these badly. Victor Smirnov as Gollum, Gandalf, Victor Kosteski, as we already talked about. Yes, he's who we were talking about. Legolas as Olga Sarabryakova. As I said, Legolas was played by a woman. Lobelia Sackville Baggins, in parentheses, Lyobelia Lyakoshal, Lillian Lyakoshal, Mary Brandybuck, Sergei Shelganov, Pippin Took, Vadim Nikitin, Sam Gamgee, or Sam Squamby, Vladimir Matviev, Saruman Evgeny Baranov, Tom Bombadil, Sergei Parshin, and narrator, Dayusha Romanov. Script director, (coughs) Natalia Sarabryakova, 
production, Larissa Lebedeva, music, Andre Dayusha Romanov, cinematography, Anatoly Korinetsky, properties, Ida Kaidanova, production design, Victoria Yermakova, costumes, Yulia Goltsova, and sound director, Vanantina Efimova. Um, I'm actually kind of late to get to something, but thank you for listening to this, and we will continue on with our Lord of the Rings adaptations, the next one being the Rankin-Bass Hobbit, the one a lot of us grew up with. Thanks for listening. Uh, go on to YouTube and uh, watch it yourself. Uh, follow us on various things. And any feedback, or we'd love to hear it. Thank you for listening to Cast Into the Fire podcast, and have a good day. Bye.